If you have your Bibles this morning, we're open to Psalms 32. We're going to look there today. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine made a list of who they thought was the greatest, most prolific songwriters of all time. Now let me give you the top nine in reverse order. Number nine is Elton John. Eight is Joni Mitchell. Number seven is Paul Simon. Six is Mick Jagger. Five is Neil Young. Four is Paul McCartney. Three is Bruce Springsteen. Two is John Lennon. And the number one songwriter of all time, according to Rolling Stone, is Bob Dylan. And I guess I don't really have any qualms with that list except for number one. I don't agree with it. I don't have a problem putting Bob Dylan as number two and moving everyone down the list one slot, but, but I got to say, I think the greatest songwriter of all time was a, a king named King David. See, David wrote at least 75 songs, we know for sure, and probably one of the most famous songs of all time. I'm sure you remember it. It begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. See, David wrote love songs, and he wrote sad songs, and he wrote glad songs, and even songs that would pick you up and songs that would put you down. But every song he wrote had a way of penetrating right to your heart. Sometimes David would write songs for tomorrow, sometimes for today. This morning, though, we're going to look at a song he wrote for yesterday. Let me tell you what I mean. The song we're going to study today is about our past. Because the truth is, every one of us has a past. And if every one of us is honest and we live long enough and we look back, we're going to see things in our past we wish were not there. We all have things of our past we regret. There are some skeletons in our closet. Am I right? I mean, nobody is perfect. And if we had our lives to do over again, there are certainly things we would do over differently. We've said things we wish we haven't said. We've gone places we wish we hadn't visited. We hurt people we wish we didn't hurt. And those skeletons rattle around in our closet. Those do-overs can cause a powerful form of grief called guilt. And the things we regret the most in our life are the things that are our fault. See, we've been in this series called Faults, and we've been talking about those times when things go wrong in our relationships, whether it's our relationship with God or with each other. And whenever there is a rupture in the relationship or a fracture in the friendship, somebody is at fault. And when a relationship breaks down, we tend to focus on fixing the blame instead of fixing the problem. And we spent the last couple of weeks dealing with a situation where it's my fault, not yours. And how do we handle it when I am the one at fault? How do we handle the sin when the sin is yours? How do you restore that relationship, fix that friendship, mend that marriage? And the good news is God has told us in His Word how to put the pieces of that relationship back together. And David wrote this song that talks about how he found his way back to redemption and reconciliation. And it was something that happened that was totally his fault. See, in Psalms 32, David is looking in a rearview mirror at a terrible sin he had committed in his past. The ghost of guilt haunted him 24-7 until he finally made things right with God and with the ones he sinned against. Basically, Psalms 32 is kind of an x-ray of a forgiven heart. And I'm sure you know the story, but just by way of review, David committed adultery 
with another man's wife. And she got pregnant. And then he had her husband murdered to try and hide what he had done. And that fault literally caused an earthquake that left behind unbelievable damage. It cost a man his life, destroyed a marriage, shamed a king, and it broke God's heart. And that ghost of guilt had been haunting him day and night. And he was in the wrong, and he knew it was his fault. And at this point, David would have been a prime candidate for our series. Because we've said the first step you must take to make things right is confess your sin. And David did that. And the second thing you have to do is repent of your sin and with God's grace, turn away from it. And David done that. And now in this song, David tells us, how do you plant your feet on that solid rock of forgiveness? How do you turn the sadness of a fault into the gladness of forgiveness? Because you see, you will only act forgiven when you accept the forgiveness that God has applied. I mean, there are reasons why some people have confessed things that they have done wrong, repented of them, and asked for forgiveness, but, but still don't feel forgiven. They struggle with guilt. And I know, I've heard it. People say things like, I still just can't forgive myself. Well, let me show you how to do that once and for all. And it starts here. First, recognize your sin. Even though this is a song about a fault and a failure in David's life, it's not a song of sadness. It's a song of gladness. It begins with the words, Blessed is he. It ends with the words, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. The words blessed literally means happy. And the happiest person in the world is a person whose conscience is clear, whose fault is forgiven. And David is a happy guy because even though he had done wrong, God made him right. And the reason God made him right is because he admitted he had done wrong. See, if you know David's story, first he tried to cover up what he did. But that didn't work out so well for him. Psalms 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. <laughs> he tried to hide what he did. And we've all done that, right? We have a tendency to cover up when we've messed up. We all try to carry that broom with us and just want to sweep things under the rug. How many times when we've done something wrong and we try to analyze it? We try to say, oh, everyone's doing it. Or it didn't really hurt anybody. It's not that bad. Or oftentimes we blame on something else or somebody else because we live in a no-fault society. It's like the little boy who got into a fight with one of his classmates in school. And the teacher saw the fight and she came over and broke it up and she said, now what's going on here? And the little boy said, you know, it all started when he hit me back. <laughs> what the Bible calls sin, our world today just calls a disease or a disability. Right? We're not alcoholics. We're just chemically dependent. We're not having a problem with lust. We're just addicts. We, just, we come up with excuses. And David finally realized you'll never get clean until you come clean. He didn't begin to receive that forgiveness until he recognized his sin. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. L listen to the first two verses of Psalms 32. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven 
whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. See, it's one thing to understand the definition of sin. It's another thing to realize the depth of our sin. And David uses three different words. He describes the different types of sins that we commit and just how many faults we have. First, he says transgression. He says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. That word transgress literally means to trespass. Right? If you trespass on somebody's property, you've crossed a boundary you weren't supposed to cross. You went to a place you weren't supposed to go. That's one way we sin against God. We trespass into forbidden territory. Every time God says you shall not, but you do anyway, you've committed transgression. And when you think about how many times every day you trespass into forbidden territories of jealousy or bitterness or lust or selfishness or indifference. Transgression is when you say no when God says yes. When you say yes and God says no. Then David said, blessed is he whose sins are covered. So what's the difference between sin and transgression? Well, here's how you can remember it. When you do something you shouldn't do, it's a transgression. When you don't do something you should do, that's a sin. It's when you know you should have said something about Jesus to somebody and you didn't. When you know you should read your Bible, but you didn't. When you know you should have given something, but you didn't. To put it this way, when God says you shall and you say I won't, you've committed sin. I mean, go back and look at the Ten Commandments and read. And sometimes it says you shall and sometimes it says you shall not. When you shall and you don't, it's a sin. When you shall not, but you do, it's transgression. And then he says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. See, it's easy to understand when you don't do what you should do or you do do what you shouldn't do. We understand how wrong that is. We're also guilty of iniquity. Iniquity is when we take something that is right, but because of the way we use it, we make it into something terribly wrong. When we pervert justice, when we pollute the environment, when we do things like that, we commit iniquity. We're taking that which was meant for good and turning it into something horrible. Now why does David go into such depth about sin? It's because he wants us to realize not only do we have faults, but just how deep those faults really go. How numerous those faults really are. And if you're going to overcome those relational earthquakes, you have to plant your feet on the solid rock of being honest about yourself. And then realize God's forgiveness. Remember, this is not a song of sadness, but of gladness. And David was sad over his faults, but he was even more glad about his forgiveness. For every way we do wrong, for every type of sin we commit, God is the perfect remedy. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. That word forgiven literally means to carry away. means to lay the blame on somebody else. You ever heard that phrase, a scapegoat? A scapegoat is somebody that takes the fall for somebody else. See, back in the day when Jewish people, they would offer sacrifice for their sins. And once a year, the high priest would take a goat and he would lay his hands on the head of the goat and he would confess all of the sins, all the transgressions, all the iniquities of the people onto that goat. 
And then he would send the goat out into the wilderness, never to be seen again. That's what God does with our transgressions. He literally carries them away. Jesus was the ultimate, eternal scapegoat. When God allowed his son to be crucified on the cross, he took all of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and he laid them on Jesus. And when Jesus died for our sins, he died. <laughs> we died to all of our sin. They were carried away. And David said, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. It's so ironic. When we try to cover up our sin, God reveals it. But when we confess our sin, God conceals it. The phrase, out of sight, out of mind. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood covered all of our sin. And God cannot see your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's out of sight, out of mind. That's what God's word means when it says God forgets our sins. See, don't miss this. Until your sin is forgiven... God knows about it and he remembers it. And it's this barrier between us and God. But when God forgives our sins and he forgets our sins, we should too. So you remember this. When we remember what God remembers, we're guilty. When we remember what God forgets, we feel guilty. But when we forget what God forgets, we are not guilty. See, the reason why some of us here are forgiven but we don't feel like it is because we keep trying to remember what God has already forgotten. We keep trying to uncover what God has already covered. There was a man that went to a doctor one time and he said, Doc, you got to help me. And the doctor said, what's wrong? And he said, I'm suffering from amnesia. What should I do? And the doctor said, I'll just go home and forget about it. (laughs) That's what God does with our sin. When we confess our sin to God, when we repent of our sin, God forgives us and he forgets and so should we. David said, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. That word count, that's an accounting term. It's to charge to someone's account. You know, as we said before, sin is a debt that we incur. And when God forgives our sin, he wipes it off the books. And he can do that. Because he's charged that sin to the account of Jesus. And as deep as our sin goes, forgiveness goes even deeper. For everything we've done wrong against God, God's carried it away. He's covered it up. He's canceled the debt. And we need to realize God's forgiveness. The problem is some of us are still on this guilt trip because even though we've realized God's forgiveness, we haven't accepted it. So we need to take this last step. We need to receive God's grace. Listen to how David ends here in Psalms 32, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's the longest verse in this psalm, which tells us it might be one of the most important verses. It might be at the heart of what David is saying. Because David is giving his testimony of just how forgiven he is and how forgiven we are. See, don't miss the progression. When we acknowledge our sin, when we don't try to hide our iniquities, when we confess our transgressions, God completely forgives everything and washes away the dirt of our guilt. When we conceal our sin, that guilt imprisons us. When we confess our sin, 
that grace frees us. So if God has forgiven you, you must forgive in you. If God has cleansed you, you must act cleansed. I mean, think about it this way. You, you work all day. Right? And you get hot and you get sweaty and you get dirty and you come home and you take a shower and completely wash everything off. What do you do next? You normally put on a fresh set of clean clothes, right? You don't go back and put on the same dirty, nasty clothes you've been wearing all day long. No, you put on something clean because you've accepted what the shower has done for you. It's cleansed you. That's what David did. It's what we need to do. When we've sinned against someone, like David did, and you go to God and you ask for forgiveness, and you go to others that you've hurt and you've done wrong and you ask their forgiveness. But what happens if they don't forgive you? What if they want to hold on to their grudges and bitterness? Well, at that point, it's their problem, not yours. Don't let them keep you feeling guilty. Perhaps you're one of those people that you've confessed your sin and you've confessed your sin and, and you know in your head that God has forgiven you, but in your heart, you still haven't forgiven yourself. Well, know this. At that point, you're not dealing with God. You're dealing with Satan. And Satan will accuse you of sin that God has already forgiven. God only convicts you of your sin that you've never confessed. God never digs up old dirt. He never digs up trash that's been buried. You know, one of the great things in this country, we have the Constitution. And we have the Bill of Rights. And in the Bill of Rights, there's the Fifth Amendment. And it gives us what is known as the Law of Double Jeopardy. And basically, that says that once a person is found innocent of a crime, he can never be tried again for that crime. Well, there's also a spiritual law of double jeopardy. And once God convicts you of sin, and you confess that sin and repent of that sin, you receive forgiveness. And God will never bring up that sin to you again. Because what we confess completely, God forgives totally. And the great news is you have the right, because of the cross of Jesus, to have your sin completely forgiven, completely forgotten. And David cried out to God and God forgave him. And the same God that forgave David will forgive you. Let me ask you, as we close this morning, is that what you need? Do you need the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ? Do you need the forgiveness that only comes through surrendering your life to Jesus and allowing Him to cleanse you? If that's what you need, come. Call the church. Talk to me. Stop by this week. Talk to me. I would love the opportunity to share with you more about what it means to to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Because know that the only way your sins are forgiven is when you give your life completely to Jesus Christ.